From the traditional and unceded territory of the Clay Claytone First Nation and the heart of Northern BC, welcome to the CNC Podcast. 50 years, 100,000 alumni. At CNC, we're learning together, changing lives and creating futures. Welcome to the CNC Podcast. I'm Mark Cargillotto. Were you one of those people growing up that you knew exactly what you were going to do when you became an adult? Well, we actually have two of them here today on the CNC Podcast. They were both interested in science as they were growing up here in Northern British Columbia. They had encounters with the college and that through their science studies. They went away to study and now have returned to us as instructors in the biology program. We are thrilled to have Dr. Graham Rock, who is a biology instructor, and Trudy Johnson, who is also in the biology program as an instructor in that. We're really thrilled to have you here on the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Well, thank you kindly for inviting us. You've got stories. Well, let's start with you, Graham. What was your first encounter with the college? I understand it involved a letter. Right. Well, actually, I mean, it goes all the way back to early elementary school. And I think Trudy will probably expound on this a little bit later. But I had lots of science fair interactions coming to the college to do the uh, regional science fair. If you did well enough at your local one, you got to come to the one in Prince George. And so I sort of developed a series of different kinds of experiments that uh, got more complicated over the years. There were some themes like physics, and eventually I got to some more biological-related ones, and I think that's kind of where my uh, science fair career ended at the end of elementary school. But uh, getting close to that, I remember I was doing some experiments on different kinds of uh, insects and some natural pesticides that you might be able to apply to them and measure their effect. Things like coffee and tea uh, were... I think one of the last series of experiments I did. And at a certain point, I was really struggling to get the model organisms, the flies that I needed to conduct these experiments. So I actually reached out, uh, and this will date me a little bit in the form of an old school uh, faxed letter. Oh yeah, please hold it yeah, up. Yeah, from uh, my high school, I believe, or my dad's high school. My dad was an administrator at the high school, Yeah, as I said at the end of the letter here, to one of the uh, the biology faculty here, Dr. Conrad Jarosh. Uh, I hope I'm saying that right. Maybe it's Jarosh, who was an early faculty member and was here for uh, quite a long time, if I remember correctly. Never had the pleasure of meeting him personally, unfortunately, at least not uh, coming back here because he retired a while ago. But anyways... I reached out with this letter dated January 1992 uh, to date myself a little bit and said, introduce myself, dear Dr. Jarosh, my name is Graham Rock. I'm a grade six student at Morphy Elementary School in McKenzie, which of course is a little town a couple hours north of Prince George. Yeah, we got a campus up. there. Yeah. Yep. Last year as my science fair project, I studied the effects of coffee and tea on the fruit fly Drosophila melanogaster. I simply varied the concentrations of these insecticides. I was also interested in the effects of various natural poisons on mosquito larvae. My problem with this experiment was obtaining enough mosquito larvae at this time of the year, because of course science fair happens at a, a specific time in the spring. I was able to get approximately 30 eggs, hardly enough for a major experiment. I'm now getting ready for this year's science fair. Can you give me some ideas on how to continue my project? I'm interested in natural pesticides that are quote unquote, environmentally friendly. Any help you can give me would be very much appreciated. And lo and behold, not too long from that point, I received a response on very old CNC letterhead, again, faxed to the high school. 
And uh, Dr. Jarosh was very kind to provide a big lengthy response and very careful instructions and some nice motivation as well, some nice uh, comments on the experiment and a very careful little uh, procedure to go about getting a consistent amount of those mosquito larvae. Oh, that's great. After. So it was really cool. Yeah. That's terrific. Yeah. Absolutely. And so Trudy, science, well, uh, science Fair was also a factor for your studies too. Can you tell me more about that? Sure. So at my elementary school, if you had an experiment that they enjoyed or thought was worthwhile, then you were uh, came to CNC. And so I did one about being Northern, about wood and different types of wood products and which one at different weights would burn the hottest, which one would burn the longest. And so look at all these different wood types because, you know, we're in Prince George. So I came to CNC after doing well at the, the elementary school science fair. And I came here and people do like wood and fire and heat, all these things. So it did have some interest with them, except I think I learned my most important lesson for science. Oh, do tell. I only did the experiment once <laughs> because burning things, my dad had to help me. We were like pulling stuff out of the fire to see how much had been burned. And so it's like a big elaborate process to do the experiment. And so I had all this data, but if you do science and you only do your experiment once, it means nothing. Yeah. So the, where did you go from there then? I mean, you graduated from high school and then you you moved on to study science elsewhere. Can you tell me more about that? I did. So my dad was a heavy duty mechanic. And so his important thing was, if you like what you do, you never work a day in your life. And so he wanted me to be in the labs and test out whether or not I liked being in the labs. So UVic had a co-op program. So cooperative education where you... Uh, in between your studies, you go and work in different places. And I also like to travel. And so they also paid for your travel. So I got to go to Scotland and work there for eight months. I worked in Boston at a pharmaceutical company there. So I got like the best of all the worlds. I got to be a student, I got to travel, I got to be paid for my work. I got to be in doing science the whole time. So it was kind of, and it satisfied my dad's advice, you know, like pretty much if, you love what you do. You never work a day in your life. So that's terrific. Yeah. So it was definitely worthwhile. Good advice. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Graham, then what brought you back here to CNC all those years later after you had completed your doctoral studies and, uh, and were looking for where to go? Right. So I actually completed my education at uh, UVic at the University of Victoria as well. Stayed in Victoria for a long time, about 15 years uh, straight out of high school in McKenzie. And at that point in time, after I'd completed my PhD, I sort of reached a little bit of uh, an inflection point uh, in my career and what I really wanted to do. Because basically as a graduate student, especially in research uh, PhD kinds of uh, grad studies, you're really trained specifically to become a researcher and to really not do a lot else. You don't necessarily get a lot of additional transferable skills out of that. Besides, of course, doing a little bit of teaching as a TA in the labs, which is mandatory, but some people do it more, some people do it less. In any case, I reached the point where I basically have to dedicate myself on the chance that I would be able to get a research position, a sort of a, you know, the big job at the end of it. And it was becoming a little bit less likely given the sort of momentum you have to build throughout your graduate studies and all the awards you have to win and what you have to do to sort of succeed there. So I actually had a little bit of a crisis of 
uh, confidence in what I was going to do and drifted for a little while, to be honest, not doing too much. But then I landed uh, a position doing a sessional teaching job in the Quinnell campus of CNC, actually, to teach a few of the biology courses there mm -hmm. that were in my wheelhouse, like microbiology. That was what my undergraduate uh, degree was in and some general biology too. And I taught there for uh, one semester and I really fell in love with it. You know, at that point, uh, by the time I'd finished with that, I knew I had a lot more to learn to become an effective instructor. I wasn't there yet for sure to say, take on the job of the full-time instructor position in Quinell at that point, which included uh, some material that was way out of my wheelhouse, but it's certainly something I wanted to pursue. So I went and I did a little bit more ancillary education in the Provincial Instructor Diploma Program. I haven't completed it yet, but enough to sort of get my bearings there. And then eventually landed a sessional position here on the Prince George campus. Uh, and I've sort of just built from there into eventually a full-time position and really expanded my knowledge base in terms of uh, what I can teach and how I can teach and all of that. And it's been a really, a really great experience in the sort of second half of my career here. That's CNC has really been the core part of the entire way. Yeah, that's terrific. Trudy, tell me about your work here at the college then. Um, wh what is your specific role and what do you enjoy about it? Well, like I said, I've been liking science since I was a kid and having three labs that I'm allowed to use and be in. And there's anatomy and physiology lab where I get to do all the punning, like the, can I give you a hand? Uh, uh -huh. you know, yeah, it's so horrible. Uh, and Thank then, you. You'll be here all podcast. Exactly. Oh, so <laughs> and then we've got our university transfer one where students can either work on genetics with the flies. We've got biology for non-majors, a little bit of ecology lab. And then we've got the microbiology lab, which is, Probably I also did the microbiology degree. And so that's kind of my happy place where I do all the prep of the media. I maintain all the bacteria. I have a very odd job because if all the bacteria dies, it means I've done something wrong. Yeah. Where <laughs> most places that's not the case. <laughs> so I maintain all the cultures there. And so my job, I call myself a professional gopher because basically what my job is, is to help anyone who comes in the doors, whether it's a student that needs to get a model that they can use as studying. So we set them up in the lab and like we're very, we try very hard to have everything being uh, like tactile and 3D for them. And we are not a rich department, but we've been there for so many years that all that adds up. Like every year I'll buy more and more models. And so now when you look at our lab, it's years of budget so that you, it looks like a rich resource because there's so many years behind it of buying things. So whatever the students need, I get for them, whatever the faculty needs, I get for them. So I'm a professional gopher, basically. <laughs> oh, that's terrific. Yeah, yeah multi-talented, exactly. I think, is probably the, yeah. is a word for yeah. it then, I guess. Hopefully where, the, be, where they need me when they need me there, basically. <laughs> that's great. Well, you both went to larger universities and that to complete your studies. Graham, let's start with you. What do you think that the community college experience is able to offer someone who wants to study hard sciences but isn't quite sure where they want to go with it? Well, I think the advantage of uh, community college, the size of CNC in general, really is the relationships that can be built uh, between instructors and students. And that's something that uh, was a very kind of foreign concept to me coming from a bigger university. I mean, UVic is not a huge university. It's a mid-sized university. But even so, my first year undergraduate classes in biology and chemistry and physics and math well, not math, but all the other physical science ones, they were hundreds of students. And unless you really put yourself out there 
to meet the professor it wasn't going to happen. And even if so, only a really a pretty superficial relationship could usually be generated until you got into those later years where you might have uh, a relationship based on research activity or something like that. So I just never, at least in those early years, uh, I didn't have a lot of direction from instructors and you know faculty, research faculty as well. Um, and I was kind of just on my own trying to trying to figure it out. So to have some of the advice from someone that's been there, that's gone through the whole experience, not just an undergraduate, but graduate school as well, to give you a little bit of a lay of the land of what awaits uh, is a really useful thing. And I think that students here have much better access to that kind of relationship and that kind of advice than you do unless, you know, you're very keen or you're a really elite program at some uh, private university somewhere. Yeah, fair enough. Mm -hmm. Trudy, can you talk about building that relationship with a student then? How how do you go about that in terms of, uh, you know, someone walking in, maybe feeling a little nervous about where where they want to be and what they what they want to do? But obviously it's so much more of a, you know, close environment, what like your students are, what you have maybe 30 students per class or something? Usually at most. It's with that few number of students, you can look everyone in the eyes. You can see their faces. And a former student that is now also a technician with me, actually, like I had to tell her, I'm like, your, your face is, you have no bluffing face. I could tell exactly how you feel about the information. So if you or look confused, or if you look excited by what you're learning, it's written all over your face. So I had to tell her every once in a while, it might seem like I'm looking at you more often, but however you're feeling, it's kind of an indicator of how the whole class is feeling. So you always have that, because it's so small, you can read the looks on students' faces. You could have them give you a thumbs up if everyone understands it, or a thumbs down if you've explained it in a way that's confused everybody. So those small classes means you can look everybody in the eye and confirm that they understand the information before you go on. You can't do that if you've got a class of 300. There may be you know, tons of them that don't understand, but you don't have the time to go over it again, or you just don't, you can't tell. It's just like a wall of faces in that case. So yeah, fair enough. Yeah, Graham, can you talk about a light bulb moment? What uh, we hear that from instructors who've been on the podcast before, and I'm presuming that you both have dealt with that as well. That a student maybe is grappling with a concept, and all of a sudden it works for them. Uh, how often does that happen for you in in the classes that you teach? I would say that, and, and this is another one of the advantages of the college experience, where I'd actually see that most often in my experience anyways, is probably actually in the lab where students are learning more uh, kinesthetic experiences with their hands. And it's not just about, you know, uncovering what's underneath a concept. Although those kind of aha moments are always great when you can provide some sort of nice metaphor uh, analogy that, you know, breaks down what the core idea of otherwise a pretty obfuscated kind of weird abstracted concept. Um, but in the lab, sometimes when people are just really struggling, because there's just one little thing that's not obvious um, that has to be done to make that particular procedure successful. And you can really see that and help them out. And just, you know, the whole pro process, the whole experiment becomes a much better, uh, enjoyable experience for a student and a, a one that's going to leave a much stronger impression. Right. And Again, sometimes not to complain too much about uh, the university experience, but you would get laboratory instructors, very different teaching 
ability because some of them were professionals or grad students that had a lot of experience doing it. And some of them hated to be there. It was the worst experience of their lives and they wanted nothing but to run away. And so you'd have that variable experience. But here it's all professional instructors on both the lecture and the laboratory side. And that really helps, I think, especially in science, bring those concepts together. Trudy, do you want to add to that in terms of that aha moment? You mentioned your time in the lab and that's your happy place. So. It really is. It's, you're seeing things that, can you imagine a hundred years ago, if somebody had a microscope and you're able to see your own cheek cells, you're able to see, it's like magic. Sometimes you're cutting an, a piece of DNA out and then you're, you know, you're making more copies of it through like a PCR machine that a lot of people have now heard of PCR, like Imagine a hundred years ago, if you were telling somebody that these are the things we're able to do in the lab. And then because there's such small labs, every student has a pipette. Every student goes through the entire experiment. Each student is building those fine motor skills. And even if, you know, even if they don't go on in the lab ever, like they've got that experience where they've actually seen a little bit of magic, you know, they've seen something that even 50 years ago, they couldn't even imagine it. So it's, like, it is my happy place. <laughs> That's great. Well, what do you think that you personally get out of being at a community college and that? You mentioned your happy place, but yeah. what else drives you, do you think? Uh, the students, they're just, they're all pretty wonderful. And they all, even the ones that are terrified, even the ones that just want to get through the course, like they still, you know, they're still learners. They're still here because they want to further their education, even if it's the one that they kind of are having to take one of our biology courses because it satisfies the requirement of the program, they still are learners and they're still all trying. And, you know, if it takes them one try to get through the course or if it takes them more than one try, like it's everyone's here to learn and to succeed. And that's everyone, even if they're nervous, they still get the benefit of being here. So that's a pretty awesome job. Yeah, that's got to be a special feeling. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so Graham, uh, to wrap up then, I'm not going to ask you to wind back to grade six when you wrote <laughs> that letter, um, but I, I'd like you to think back though, if you were to recommend to your younger self to, to give any advice about studying sciences, whether it was here or a university in that, what do you think that might be? I, I think often it comes down to immersing yourself in the mentality and just the sort of practice of what a scientist does in their day, which is, to be honest, encounter many frustrations and repeat the process a hundredfold. You have to sort of develop a personality that can deal with that adversity. And that begins probably in high school, but certainly in undergraduate studies for most students, um, where you're gonna have to learn not only to keep at things constantly, um, and even when they stumble, Repeat. Do your experiments more than yeah, once. Exactly. Reproducibility is critical. <laughs> Very important. Um, and also it's important no matter what environment you're in, even if you are in a well-supported one like this, uh, to find that the motivation to be somewhat autodidactic. Because by the time you get to, if you're going to go all the way and you're going to take this to a professional level uh, in some form of either research or teaching, or even, uh, you know, if you're in an uh, advisory role to as a consultant for businesses or government or something like that. Uh, you're going to have to learn to learn on your own and learn to research effectively. That begins basically, well, it might begin for you in school in certain classes, etc. but you might have to do a lot of that on your own. And certainly by the time you get to graduate level, you have to be willing to get out there 
and find things out and constantly dig and dig and repeat the process. That's great. Well, I hope this inspires some students to come and study sciences and study biology with, uh, with the two of you. And, uh, uh, and thank you so much for your time today. And we really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. For more about CNC's programs, visit our website, cnc.bc.ca. Thank you to Taryn Johnson and Dustin Ruth for producing the CNC podcast. We welcome your comments and ideas for episodes. Please contact us at communications at cnc.bc.ca. Thanks for listening to the CNC podcast and have a great day.